Fade us out. Fade us out. Quieter and quieter. As, so you fade it out, and I'm. Issues that keep happening. So now I move the move mic good, away. Good fade out. Good manual <laughs> fade out. Hey everybody. Hey everybody. We're back. We're back. Um, it's been approximately one thousand years. It's uh, been approximately one thousand years. Uh, we literally here. tried to record yesterday, and the reason we're singing the theme that I am playing from my cell phone is the sheer amount of tech issues we've had coming back. We've had a lot. Vanessa's desktop that she usually uses to edit uh, and insert the musical cues uh, has been on the fritz. I uh, misplaced our memory card. I'm not saying that I did it uh, deliberately so that I could uh, sleep in uh, and skip recording. But I'm not not saying no. I lost it. I you, lost yeah, it's it. just lost. It's, it's just it's, lost. I would and never in a do house that. with three cuts, God knows where a tiny square that is fun to bap around ended up. Uh, yeah. uh, and then the snowball we tried to use fucking broke. Which is a microphone. The by one that the way. I just in- used it to is. interview Robert Pattinson. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, it worked for worked for him. Worked for him. Worked so for Batman. Didn't we've work been for us. Months. Um and yeah, I apologies everyone. Uh, I got I got COVID. Uh, which put you out for two weeks. Put me out for some some weeks for sure. We couldn't was, be in the same room. Yeah, we couldn't be in the same room. I was uh super tired, living on an air mattress. Uh, felt very much like my early twenties. Uh, but repeating in my early thirties, which wasn't super great psychologically. Uh, and uh, just COVID depression in general is for sure a real thing. Uh, thankfully, I had super uh, minor symptoms, uh, fully vaxxed, so like the fatigue and depression was by far the worst of it. Uh, as far as I can tell, no like long-term lasting symptoms, uh, but it was a bit of an uphill struggle, like getting back to being caught up at work and life and uh, just all of the things that uh, you fall behind on yeah. when you're living on an air mattress for weeks. And then surprise... My mental health took a hit. Um, honestly, I can't even tell you why. Just the chemistry in my brain decided it was time. It was yeah. a lot of like chaotic stuff happening and chaotic stuff at work. But for some reason, and if you've listened to this podcast before, if you're a first time listener, what a wild episode to start on. Hi, I love you. Thanks yeah, for sticking around. You should, you should <laughs> hop back to a, do Go a to different the previous one. one or, uh, There's too much preamble. We have some great, the, the, the green room one is a great one to start one. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Green this room. is one you've already known as long enough to know. a good one. But I tend to be pretty transparent with like mental health on here because sometimes um, I'll post a cooking video or I'll see something and I'll see people be like, wow, how do you have time? to do all of this? How do you have time to like make these? Um, and the answer is I don't, I'm tired all the time and that's not great for my brain. Yeah. Uh, and I try, I love doing it because doing a cooking video or my podcast or any of those things are like some of the last passions I have for full creative control. Um, but it also means that behind the scenes I'm very tired and I fuck up a lot and sometimes my brain takes a hit. Yeah. We also, uh, you know, full, full candor. Uh, I think both have ADHD, and uh, bipolar too, uh, so twins, twins, twinning. Uh, so there's <laughs> a, a you know a litany of executive dysfunction that comes into play. So we both we're not in a great place this month, and then February, it was honestly we just needed some healing time. We just needed yeah, some like it was, it was some rebuilding time. Yeah, 
and and we appreciate uh and any of you who are still listening who uh you know hung in through both this uh lengthy preamble uh but also th- as being this, gone for a month yeah this one month delay i know uh the internet social media etc moves pretty quickly uh after you know a, a month of something not being so on your if radar you're still listening yeah that means that means you're a real one and and we appreciate you shout out to those that are we we love you and uh we're feeling better yeah i mean i'm yeah i'm doing good doing all right doing- I'm, I have a satchel of lavender now that I keep in my pocket that I uh, practically snort whenever I need a second to like yeah, give was, myself a second to stress manage. Th- this was a, a tip uh, from my therapist that, uh, I, you know, uh, y'all mileage may vary, but has been uh, helpful that uh, sometimes when you're spiraling uh, and uh, potentially uh, nearing panic attack territory or just like stuck in cyclical bad thoughts uh both i am super prone to yeah doing uh literally anything to engage another sense uh just to kind of pull you out of your head for a minute can be super helpful so carrying around a a satchel of lavender which is a a soothing and calming smell uh just to kind of force your brain to to stop and take a second uh because uh, you know there's no uh benefit to continuing to indulge that spiral uh i i kind of like push back against my therapist i was like wait no but that feels like cheating i'm just like like ignoring the bad feeling and he's like what do you gain from indulging the bad feeling and i'm like I love when they ask questions that make you realize shit. It's good stuff. But this podcast isn't about snorting lavender when you feel like shit. It's not about mental health vacations. When you feel it's about fucking doing rails of genre films. It's about it's about mainlining B horror schlock. It's 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 about boofing. Martial arts. Is that is that up the butt? Yeah, that's up the butt. Yeah, we're putting we're putting movies. Up the our butt. asses. That's what this podcast is about. Look, grow up. Some people boof Elijah. No, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just not. I <laughs> I was agreeing with you. If you've never taken the 36th chamber up the b-hole, uh, what this podcast is about is we take horror movies and chamber. martial arts. <laughs> we take horror movies and martial arts movies and we make them 69. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're two great tastes that taste great together. We tend to believe uh, that if you love one, you'll likely find things that you love in the other. Uh, But for some reason, in both of our anecdotal experiences, a lot of our uh, friends and folks we've met who are like really, really into horror might not necessarily be equally into martial arts films and vice versa. That was me at the beginning of the show. Yeah, that's that's a lot of folks. definitely not the case now. Yeah, I know like a a lot of my action folks uh, just like don't quite, they're not as as versed on horror and, and vice versa. Uh, and and they're great. So we we challenge each other to program uh, double feature pairings on you know uh, we we alternate picking a film in either genre. Then the other person has to pair a film from the other genre with it, and then we discuss whether or not they work as a double feature. Uh, I'm I'm saying this all by the way to remind myself the format of the show because it's been so long since we've recorded and I don't have. Great executive functions. Uh, I I genuinely forget what we sound like. Is this my normal voice? (laughs) Putting out fires with gasoline. Let's go to some listener comments. (laughs) Sorry, I was just thinking about that movie, Cat People. Cat People. Is that song in there? Yes, that's where that song is from. That's the theme for that song. That song is called Cat People because it's from Cat People. Jesus, I didn't know that. I guess I, I... Associate it more with Inglorious Bastards now, which is unfortunate. Not that I hate that movie. It's a fine movie. 
No. Of, of like that, like the Tarantino lineup, it's probably one of the ones I like more. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's like. But every time people look up that song, they look up the lyrics and they don't know that it, it's called Cat People. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's great. I've seen Cat People, but it was like once in a long time ago. I just watched it again. It's really horny. Yeah. Same. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, uh, listener comments. <laughs> Uh, first comment from Hype Blast Verse on wow. Twitter, which is a sick ass display name. Uh, at Taylor Stout, I'm loving at Kick Scream Pod, but man, that opening music in the first episode so far is grim for such a fun show. Uh, I'm gonna say, uh, y- you clarified in the first episodes so far doesn't change. It's Still the, the music theme song. the whole time, if except for this episode. Oh, that's true. So if you're listening now, this is the first time that it changed slightly because it was played from Vanessa's phone while we both went, Wah. So I love the music that we have. We It's from my friend Travis Clark. Yeah, who's who killed a, it. Who's an amazing uh, guitarist and musician and podcaster. Um, so what I originally intended for the music, and I understand that it's like a little expensive for some folks to do, so I've literally been slowly teaching myself how to mix to eventually do this with the track we have now is I wanted to drop in audio tracks from like classic moments in horror and martial arts movies where it's like, it's alive. And then like uh, uh, tiger yeah, yeah. style and all that good stuff in. Um, and I, I'm just going to do it. Nice. I'm just trying to learn how, but I want to integrate it into what we already have because I really love our song. No, I, I love our song too. And I, I think that, uh, I think that Travis killed it. We gave him a, uh, a, uh, wild scattered series of directions that were like we wanted to sound like synth wave like kind of carpenter like super 80s slasher horror but also like a kung fu movie and if you can put fighting sound effects in there and he's just like i'm just gonna do this and we're like this this shreds he he basically was like i want to do like carpenter score but i want to do it with like an echoey guitar so it has like that like like mystical like through the caves kung fu feeling um so hell yeah travis who is this it is not the first time he has had to take my bullshit and then ingest it and then make art at the end. <laughs> and he's, he's he's great at it. Uh and hey, Taylor Staffed, thank you for listening and thanks for calling it a fun show. We try. Thank you. Uh friend of the podcast, uh former guest, uh future guest, Devon Taylor at Daddy Disco. Uh I was listening to at Kick Screen Pod the other night after work and accidentally got pretty crossfaded. We, I've we done that f- recording. Uh, <laughs> that's true. You've done that on air. Uh, I distinctly remember a point where I was puking and I could hear Elijah saying, fuck yeah, to something. It's like you were cheering me on, which made me laugh. And I replied to the tweet, but I just want to confirm for all listeners everywhere, anytime you're you're puking something out, I'm, I'm cheering you on. Get that get You've that evil that out me. of there. I have. No, this is this is a weird thing. I know that this I'll is... I'll let you yell at me if I come for you. <laughs> well, I, I know this is not like an, an across-the-board uh, thing, and obviously there are, uh, you know, un, unhealthy and unfortunate reasons for a person uh, to be puking, but I I tend to have such a positive association with it because, like, uh, when, when I was young, I, uh, I didn't always have, like, the best diet because we were pretty poor, uh, but also just, like, didn't have a great, like, digestive tract i guess so i would like casually throw up pretty often and i didn't know that that wasn't normal uh but what would always happen is that i would start to feel like shit not know why puke a bit and then be like oh i feel way better and so i had this like 
from a young age association with vomit as being like no my parents are the same way they're like just barf you'll feel better yeah no and so i always like whenever i'm sick i'm like maybe i should just go barf i'll probably feel it just like get that poison out and so i like have a weirdly positive like fuck yeah get it out uh so this was i have the same which is why it's really funny because my childhood best friend is terrified of puking oh that's right She has that like legit phobia. That's yeah, she like, has yeah. like a phobia of barfing, and so like whenever which is we're, like, not funny, but it's very funny to me. <laughs> it's why whenever we would go out, like, and I'd get like a few drinks in me, I'll be like, "Oh, I barfed, but I feel better." And she'd be like, "This is why I stop at two because I don't even want to get there." Keep in mind, yeah. I was like twenty-two. I'm not doing this yesterday. I'm fucking thirty. But yeah. like, uh... I feel like your your number of barf drinks at this point, like cutting down on social drinking because of the pandemic. As we age, I feel like. How how many do you think it would take for you to barf realistically? Now? Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. Five. I was going to say like four or five for me probably. Because I like at three to four, I was like, I feel fine. Yeah. Um, not like I was clearly drunk because I don't really drink anymore. Um, like I just smoke pot all the time, which is about to happen. Uh, <laughs> what? It's me and we're back. I'm coming I, back in full form. I love when you start recording and you're like, I'm too sober for this. <laughs> You make it 30 seconds in and you're like... <laughs> Here's the thing. I could do this all day sober. Yeah. I choose not to. That's uh, But, I don't know. Also, uh, because I have to spend all day talking in some capacity, I get a little motor mouthy once I get here. So it helps me oh, pull the reins gotcha. so that Elijah can have time. I appreciate that. Because my brain is like, fill the dead air. Fill the I, dead air. I you're never in trouble. knew. I never knew you were you were getting high for me. That's so sweet. It's honestly, Thanks, it's 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 mostly for me, but it's also for you. <laughs> it's for, it's for us. It's for the marriage. It's for the foundation of this family. Uh, also, I have never been high uh, on this podcast, and I uh, definitely <laughs> consume as much weed at this point uh, in in the pandemic and in my life as my wife does. I am just so much worse at like talking or functioning than you are. I'm terrified of ever like being on being recorded well high. That's so frightening. All right, when to it's me. too much, I'll say like the day that I had the edible and I didn't realize it, and yeah, <laughs> we started recording, and I was like, "Fuck, man!" I'm... You're like, "I'm afraid." <laughs> God, I don't remember what episode that was, but if y'all can shout us out on Twitter and let us know, um, yeah, I want to go back and listen. I, I want to listen to it. I want to listen fun. and see how much i was losing my mind yeah i feel like at some point i should uh just to just to have it just to have a record of uh me being a dumbass while high on the podcast uh but i I don't know i don't know if it's i don't know if it would be valuable content just be shameful (laughs) um next comment from at go go gojira chris uh in in response to the lineup for this week's, this episode's double feature. It's not the weed. Sounds like it's the weed. I choked on a little piece. Of weed? Nope. You, you Move the microphone There's, away. You're coughing directly. I'm so sorry. It. It's sorry. It's messing me up, man. There's a little piece of paper on the filter. Oh. Uh, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna talk. You and I inhaled the, it. Okay. You move the microphone yeah, away from your you got mouth. This. You got this, champ. Yeah. I'm, I've got it. <laughs> You gotta just deal with. You keep trying to vamp while you're coughing, and it's killing me. Uh, Chris tweeted, "Awesome, true legend rules." Uh, I agree. Now, before rewatching it for this, I don't know that I would have agreed with that sentiment, and I'm I'm glad we're doing you this came episode. In a hater. I came in a hater, and you and picked it. I know, and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, but lastly, 
at a story in the end. Ian McAndrew. Love you. Uh, great longtime friend of the podcast. Uh, we love you, Ian McAndrew. One of the best people in the world to One talk the best genre people in the world. Uh, tweeted uh, a, a gif of a little cartoon dinosaur that says, I miss you this much. And same, bud. We missed you. We miss y'all. And we're fucking back. And I'm really excited because this is one that I picked for Valentine's Day, but it's March now. Um, <laughs> but I've actually Happy been Valentine's wanting to talk Day. about it for a while because we've covered this on this podcast before. But I have... Such a fondness for like early to mid two thousands slashers and horror. Yeah, yeah, and you definitely more than I did going into this, and I'm like coming around. Yeah, I've I've been noticing because like there's some where I pick and you have some apprehension. Like Valentine was one that I did last year for Valentine's Day, which is a slasher I like really adore. Yeah, Urban um, Legend. Urban I was, Legend. I was like, didn't that movie kind of suck? And I watched it, and I was like, oh wait, I guess it slaps. And so. For me, I kind of refer to them as, like, my sleepover horror movies. Because, like, there's the classic horror that I, like, had for some of my more formative moments. But in high school, a lot of my entrances to this was um, specifically what, like, teen girls would pick at horror movies. And the early 2000s to the mid-2000s was, like, kind of a wasteland for, like, good and bad horror movie remakes or slashers. And, uh... Yeah, I feel like post Scream, especially there was yeah. this resurgence of like the kind of like yeah pre saw. It was it was the new metal era of slashers, uh, which you know I don't I don't always hate, but uh, yeah, it was like after Scream was like oh you can still make money on horror. It wasn't just the eighties exactly, and it's very much like a teenage date thing. And like I think people also estimated how much teen girls were making up that market because like right. almost all of this I'd saw with like girlfriends or like hanging out at a sleepover um like that's how i saw the hills have eyes remake that's oh, how yeah. i saw the hitcher remake i like the hills have eyes remake i did not like the hitcher remake um i actually never saw the hitcher remake uh, i just like the original is such a perfect movie it's like, such a perfect movie but also I, I i truly feel like you need a you need a man to be the final girl to like have that vulnerability reset and like see it from a different perspective right and it's when one, it's a woman again it's just the same thing yeah no, it's true. It, it was not a role that needed to be gender swapped. No, uh, no, because it also, already was. Yeah, no, that was like the the original was great for that reason. Uh, Hills Have Eyes remake. I feel like I've mentioned this before, but one of my favorite uh, memories of that film, uh, and I have I haven't watched it in so long, but like when it was you know a new release that we rented at Blockbuster, uh, I remember like me and my mom and my sister watching uh, yeah the two thousands Hills Have Eyes. And in one scene, there's one of the like you know cannibal uh, like like hill folk. Uh, what do they like have a name? Who are the people in the hills that are the cannibals? I honestly is there, like, can't are remember they, like, because what I remember something? from that is just like moments. Yeah, like the, the finding of the dog, the eyes turning cloudy when he's burned alive, the breastfeeding. Like those are the yeah, things I remember. Yeah. Uh, the the only literally the only thing that I remember about it is that in one scene, one of the extras just didn't have as much makeup on as mm-hmm. all of the rest of them, and so like, and like his costuming was a little bit weaker than the others, where they like you know went pretty hard on this kind of like cobbled together, almost like Mad Max, like you but know. But Jeff patchwork. in this one scene, yeah, is, like, and lacking. then there's one that just looks like a dude, and we're like, is that one just some fucking guy? Did he just see a bunch of people eating someone? And <laughs> he's he was like, like, no, I messed up inside. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just like now's now's my shot. Huh. Um, I may look like a regular guy, but I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> He's, he's real edgy. He's real dark. He's real, he's real dark. Uh, 
Anyways, early 2000s horror. Yeah. You're a fan. I'm a fan. So the movie I picked for my double feature selection this week. Wait, we can't edit in the songs. Is... The editing computer. It's a feature presentation music. Bop. Uh, if, if this is the first episode that you've chosen to listen to, usually we edit in that music. You know, the the one that yeah. I just sang, but it's got like the little swirlies as they come into each other. Yeah. I chose <laughs> My Bloody Valentine 3D. Yeah, you did. <clears throat> I can't wait to sing for yours as well when I realize that I can't hit the button. I oh, no, I, I, I get to do mine. You oh, I yours. can't wait I to hear. Mine, yeah. D- are you going to hit the little bop flare that I threw into it? No, that's all you. That's trademarked. That's Pep. that's a Vanessa G original. You Mine, can see I, the trademark sign. I'm going. Pep. I'm going for authenticity. I'm going to try to make it sound as much like the original as possible. All right, um, but if I hear one pop, you owe me like two hundred dollars because that's what I trademarked it for. That's fair. I don't think that's how trademarks work. I don't think you trademark DMCA, it for like Elijah. A, all right, fair enough. Metallica. You, you set your price. You just keep. <laughs> All right, tell me about my bloody Valentine 3D. Tell me, tell me why uh, you you have chosen it. Tell me uh, what what you love about it. Okay, so I love both my bloody Valentine movies, and <clears throat> you all know by listening to this what my fl- favorite slashers are, and I feel like you might even be able to tell like in what order. Um, very much like love me some some Chucky, uh, and then some Michael, and then Jason is also there, and yay, I love Freddy. Uh, but like. In terms of horror masks, my absolute favorite is actually the miners. Yeah, um, my gas favorite, mask with the with the headlamp. I love it. My favorite slasher mask is actually the miners, um, because you know you could imprint yourself on the boogeyman when it comes to like Michael Myers, and then the hockey mask is like something so ubiquitous. Um, but the there's something about the miner. That even if it wasn't like a mythical horror creature, like even if it wasn't like a slasher being, I would still be abjectly terrified of this thing. Like even if there's no mythos behind it, Um, because it I can't see who's behind it. It's already like kind of an upsetting silhouette because gas masks immediately evoke like, is there something in the air that I should be wary of? Like there's such a terror when you see something coming towards you like that. That is weird that I feel like gas masks have almost uh, like because they've been around long enough, uh, they have entered a place in like the collective uh, unconscious, unconscious, subconscious, subconscious, collective subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, words. Uh, but they've like entered a place similar to like brightly colored animals in nature where you see it and your brain is just immediately is like, something is wrong. There's danger. We've like, seen the news and documentaries enough to know. Yeah, and like old timey pictures of wars yes, and things. Yeah. That if somebody's wearing it, it's because chances are you don't have one and they're either coming to take you to safety, but you're currently in danger or they're putting you in danger. Yeah. Like the, somebody has a gas mask because they are prepared for gas and so your brain sees gas mask and you're like i'm already in trouble right and then not only is the headlamp blinding but to me it almost captures that thing of like the angler fish like it has Uh, this like attachment that kind of points it where it goes to where he can like a yeah you hiding in the dark doesn't work right it just it doesn't work that's true i feel like it's weird that more slasher (laughs) villains don't have built-in light sources (laughs) Which I know, like, I know is a stupid thing because, like, you're not going to, like, stick a fucking headlamp on Michael Myers and, like, you're not going to, like, embed, a, like, an LED into Jason's chest or whatever. Okay, but, but like, a as soon punk mask coming at you. Oh, no, right. Like, but, like, 
as soon as you say that, I'm like, yeah, a lot of tense slasher scenarios involve like I'm hiding in a shadow and he can't see me because it's dark. It's weird that more slashers don't have a way to like conspicuously illuminate you to be like you can't hide from me because wherever I'm looking is going to be bright. Uh, yeah, like something that's that a scary concept works in the darkness but forces you to be exposed in the yeah. light is terrifying to me. So I think it's like truly the perfect slasher mask. It's really good. Um, and then it makes for these really great startling kills where you have this like bright light in the camera lens whenever it's somebody like looking down the barrel and they can't see what's happening or what's coming from where. So it's literally just like hold my breath until pain happens. Like yeah. I, 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 I love the minor mask. It's so it's much. It's a very good design, uh, and I I do really like the the pickaxe as a weapon. I will say that like from a standpoint of like how frightening is it? Uh, not very because I I could be off base in this. You know, I'm open to being proven <laughs> wrong, but I feel pretty confident that like barehanded I would win a pickaxe fight. I know I wouldn't. It's like such an unwieldy thing. The the like critical striking zone <clears throat> for where it is harmful is Oh, do you such think a minor will point. have a hard time with a pickaxe? No, I think he's gonna be good at wielding it. I think it's not designed for combat in any real way. So I think like this he's is gonna like the swing time you said it's... you could fight the Joker and I don't fucking believe I, you. He's not known for martial arts prowess. <laughs> I think in a fist fight I've got him. If he's like got a bunch of knives and shit probably not if he's gonna spray me with poison gas sure he wins if it's a fist fight he's he's a clown and i think i have like a weight advantage <laughs> anyways no the pickaxe though i do love as a weapon like the the like aesthetic and iconography of it and some of like the kills they set up with it fucking rule i, I it doesn't frighten me specifically but i think it's very <clears throat> cool which is a lot of like what i do love about this movie the pay well, is that honestly, it's very cool. Everything about my bloody Valentine that rips is aesthetics over everything. Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm a to stop myself from like not being specific enough. I'm gonna only refer to this movie and not the original. I love the Harry Warden story, but we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about this one. Um, and plus, you get it in six minutes in 3D flying graphics for the first part of the movie. Something that I do love is that 15 <sighs> minutes into this movie, you feel like you have watched three movies like 15 minutes in they've given you the entire like animated backstory that sets up like the legacy of the killer everyone and died but then he woke up from a coma and then he killed everyone yeah and, and then you get the party massacre and then you get like another time skip and i love that we go through like three generations in 15 minutes it like i i was immediately Which is why, like 40 year olds are dressed as teenagers and it's so funny so good but no i was immediately hooked because i was like holy shit like this is this is trucking along when they give a beautiful but clearly ad adult woman a headband and a jean skirt and the truly the worst fucking outfit i've ever seen in my entire oh, life Oh yeah early 2000s fashion was my god and they're rough. like she's a teenager and the whole time i was like why are these grown people trespassing is this like a ritual is this yeah. like somebody's retirement party because they all seem to be that age like do they no. work at the mine we just didn't hire teenagers to play teenagers and now we have adults being like hello fellow kids literally it's really um, good but I love all this cheese. No, same. And I loved the flying 3D. And one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this is because the 2000s um, were such a time for horror and 3D. And 
I think 3D is like haha cheesy and corny, but I think that always lives in a more special place for horror than any other genre for me because like you see the 3D that we know, the 3D that's like kind of boring, which is like 3D that isn't even shot like 3D because right. like Avatar is boring as shit, but at least it's gorgeous because it was shot for it. But everything I else is a diorama. I was actually about to say even like Avatar because I did see that in theaters in the 3D and I was super let down. And I remember uh, around that same time seeing whichever Final Destination movie was in 3D and there's like an explosion where a screwdriver flies directly at you. And I was like, fuck, that was so That's cool. That's because horror gives a shit and trying to like get a reaction yeah. out of you. Also, I'm when about it... to sound like a dumb dork for a second. Oh, yeah, what's awesome. Avatar isn't even so much like 3D isn't always about what pops out at you. Sometimes it's just depth of field. Yeah. Uh, so like the thing in Avatar that's like the interesting thing to look at is like the creation of depth of field. Um, no, and I I think that's valid. I think it just like for some reason that does not resonate with me in the same way where like depth of field, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I guess it feels like I'm really there. But when something feels like it's going to hit me in the face like a yo-yo or a pie <laughs> or a screwdriver. That's I'm what like, we were sold. Yeah, I'm like that shit's, that rules. That's what I want. Because like it, it was something that was just misused over and over again. But I think the fun of it was the novelty. And it makes me think of things like The Tingler. Like it makes me. The what? Are you familiar with the horror movie The Tingler? I don't know that I am. What's um, the tingler? Do you remember back at Cine Family how the seats had like a like a weird little like buzzer thing in them? Okay, I don't so, I don't recall specifically, but I, sure, yeah. The Tingler was a um, Vincent Price movie, um, in which they wanted to create an immersive experience. So certain the- theaters were fitted with these tinglers, so to speak. Oh, so it would be and spine so tingling? when it would happen in the movie, when, like, the tingler would ha- like, you would feel the sensation in your seat. Whoa. And it just existed for this fucking movie. I love that. And I like, I love shit like that. Like, proprietary Same. things that, like, yeah, it's corny, but in hindsight, like, imagine giving that much of a fuck about what your audience is, like, reacting to, and at least that they're, like, having fun. And I think horror was the only one that understood the assignment. From like Final Destination to Piranha to this movie. Like, I feel like there are so many more horror movies that were like, oh my God, we already use the audience as like the vessel for so much of this, anyways. Let's reach out and touch them. Let's do something fun. And I can't think of any other genre that like already didn't take itself seriously. And so they like took the ball and ran with it quite like it did. And I am, I am such a sucker for like additional, uh, immersion into films in that way uh when i was living in uh southeast asia a a thing that is like more common at the like chain movie theaters there uh than i have seen here i think it's like caught on in recent years but at the time it was like a, a new big thing uh, was like the 4D experience where the chair moves and they pump in different scents and like it feels sometimes... like I'm just getting punched in the head. Yeah, no, and I saw I I watched Logan in 4D and every time he cut some fools up, it would spray water in your face like blood was splattering on you and it was like warm, so it would just be like warm liquid sprayed on you every time there was blood splatter and I was losing my mind. I was like, yes, the whole time, and I like. I wish every movie had that optional functionality where it would just like hose you down with blood as kills were happening and you're just like, oh, I'm there. Have I ever uh, told you about my uh, bug's life? It's tough to be a bug child paranoia. No, I don't think so. Have I taken you on that ride? Fuck, no. No, I, I only took you to Disneyland. S- I hope it's still around when we go back because 
nobody goes to it and they're eventually going to tear it down because it doesn't fucking matter anymore because it's a bug's life and Disney doesn't do anything fun in their parks anymore. It's just whatever IP is the thing that like yeah. matters. A bug's life starring Dave <coughs> Foley. Like, no, when I was a kid, it was like fun shit, like 10,000 Leagues on the Sea, and it was like, eh, submarine. Um, but uh, this was a 4D show in which they would teach you about bugs, but then like animatronic spiders would come down from the ceiling, but they would also like pump in scents, or like <clears throat> there were pointed air holes on the b- seat backs in front of you that would fire either water or air at you if like something was like, like a, uh, like a spider right, right. was like flicking hairs yeah, at you. Yeah. And I love this thing, but. Almost like clockwork. Always. You can count on, like, all of the children panicking when the spiders come from the ceiling. Because it's scary. It's, like, legitimately scary. I've seen adults freak out at it, and this is, like, a fucking, like, little baby ride that nobody cares about. That never scared me that bad. But at the end, they ask you to please stay seated and not immediately exit the theater so the smaller passengers can... I mean, the smaller uh, theater goes can exit. And you're like, what do you mean smaller? And then it's, like, some audio pump through to sound like bugs are, like, flying through the theater and they're leaving first. that's cute. But there's a little thing in your seat that runs across that feels like a large beetle is running under your butt. Whoa. And there's audio pumped in so you can hear him going, excuse me, pardon me, as he, like, goes under your butt. Yeah, yeah. And it's cool because it just feels like something running through. As a child, I was terrified because I was like, this beetle is going to try and crawl right up my butt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. I think I saw something about the candira fish once, and right. I was like, "If if that's a bugs, pee-pee bugs fish, climb up in there's you. a butt bug." Yeah, there has to be. Yeah. So I would always like stand up and scream because I was like, "It's trying to get in." Um, <laughs> Very specific intrusive thought from a young age. Oh baby, I've had intrusive butt thoughts bugs. as long as I've had thoughts. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and uh, that happened until I was like a teenager, and I was on like a date at like Disneyland, and I had to like talk myself out of it not being real and so i was like you're just gonna sit in the seat until the end um and at the last second i panicked and i put my hand down and like i felt the thing that that's what it was right and Um, and so it like brought me to like that's not a bug you you know this is an animatronic and as an adult now i'm just like haha bug under my butt um but yeah for a while i was absolutely tortured with the idea of this animatronic beetle trying to crawl up my ass Honestly, though, uh, I admire and respect that you, like, kept going on the ride, that you, like, kept going back to it for this this experience where you were like, the bug's not going to get in my butt this time. And you, you, like, were convinced that it was a possibility, but you're like, it's it's worth it. It's worth it for those yeah. spiders. Uh, my Bloody Valentine 3D. Uh, I, I do love the use of 3D. <laughs> I wish that we had, a, I mean, I don't wish that we had a 3D TV and the little glasses and stuff. We just Hector Navarro's house. Does Hector have one? All right. Does Hector have? Um, he's Th- probably he's that's got like all kinds his of crown cool jewel. Stuff. No, yeah. he he he's the biggest. He's the reason why I'm less harsh on 3D. Yeah. No, I okay. <clears> so <throat> I mean, at the time that like 3D TVs were becoming a thing, I like ran a video game store, and I was all about it. I like was trying so hard to convince my business partner. Oh, I wasn't. I was I was trying so hard to convince my business partner that it was like a business expense <laughs> and that we like should and like in fact had an obligation to buy everyone 3D, 3D TVs. Yeah. He he talked me out of it. He was right to do so. They're actually but. better now than they used to be. I know. Well, now I just have I just do VR now. No, cuz now you don't need the glasses with the batteries in them. Oh. You could just use the ones from the movie theaters. Like oh, that's it's just fun. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot easier to like have 10 people watch it at once. I like that. Um but uh, I love a lot of the use in 3D in this movie. Um, I'm going to 
try and just like get through the plot. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's a lot of. It's plot been so long too that we're like getting more sidetracked than usual. So. Um. No, but also because I'd rather talk about the vibes because <laughs> honestly, you don't watch this movie for the story. No, not at all. But there's a lot that you do watch this movie for, and I'm like excited <laughs> to talk about it. But yeah, let's 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 get through this plot. So Harmony is a mining town that is on the anniversary of like the Harry Warden uh, murders. <coughs> and uh, there's uh, another series of murders at a party. Um, and one of the few people that survived is the son of the foreman that was killed previously in the Harry Warden stuff who was blamed for the initial explosion that trapped them because he didn't bleed the methane lines. Well, he he's the son of, uh, like, the owner of the mines, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's just nepotism baby after nepotism baby and... Now we're on the current one, yeah. um, who's thinking about selling the mines. And Which who, is, of course, the lifeblood of the small the town. The lifeblood of the small town um, after he disappeared for like a decade uh, after, you know, these murders happened and uh, is was left behind as uh, his best friend and his girlfriend at the time uh, saved his girlfriend. Now he's back in town. His girl's dating his ex. His girl's married to his ex-best friend. Um, right. his ex-best friend is boning truckers. Um, great, great, great for everyone except disappeared for 10 years guy. Um, immediately goes to see his ex and is like, uh, you've moved on. Yeah. He's like, as though, yeah, he fully came, came back with the energy of like, we're still a thing. Right. And it's like, literally, I thought you were dead. Like uh, your dad filed a missing persons. You just vanished you a decade funeral. ago. Yeah. Um, and also I married your best friend now who she doesn't know is absolutely cheating on him with the 18 year old that works for her. Uh, in general, I feel so bad for her because uh, all of, of her, kind of for all of the men in, in her movie. life suck. Yeah. No, like no one. I, she's maybe the most redeemable character and she has like very little. Poor Sarah. Like she has like very little like screen time or honestly agency. I feel like she doesn't do much in the plot, but also no. is like maybe the the most redeemable one. It's Everyone else is some shade of dirtbag. Tom and Axe are in love with Sarah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Sarah's being forced to choose between two awful men. Yeah. Um, and I just want her to take a bus anywhere, to take a bus anywhere and leave Harmony because. It is not a great place. No. The, the, her, the her coworker that works closest to her lies to her face all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I just want better for Sarah. Yeah, she deserves more. She deserves more. Uh, she and Axel have a child. Uh, Axel looks like a video game villain. He, he he's really got does. hilariously like sharp features that just make him look like a video game villain. And for some reason, we're supposed to root for him, but also Tom. Yeah, and so, yeah, Tom is very much set up as... Uh, Clearly the murderer from the beginning. Well, okay, I was gonna say, he is very obviously the murderer the whole from time. the beginning, the whole time. It, like, their foreshadowing is not subtle, but I think the intention is that he's supposed to be, like, the handsome, cool, heroic dude. Like, I think we're supposed to root for Tom and be like, yeah, he's gonna solve this case, clear his name, and and stop the minor... But it's like literally he he shows up looking like a deeply antisocial drifter after having been gone for a decade and just starts getting into trouble is directly is the only witness at the scene of every murder. And anytime he is like in frame with the killer, 
their movements mirror each other in a really conspicuous way. And it's like, yeah, that's that's him. Even if he's he wasn't the guy. killer, he sucks. Because right. he's literally like, he doesn't know that Axel is cheating on Sarah. So he's just like, I'm going to fuck your wife. And I'm like, yeah, he like tells her that. He shows tells up. Him that. He shows up and is just like, hey, man, I'm in town to rail your wife. <laughs> and like, he doesn't know Axel's a bad husband. He no. doesn't have that information. No. Not That's at all. just his ex best friend, and he's threatening to fuck his wife. He he shows um, up to, to a woman he has not seen or communicated with in a decade. She is now, to his eyes, happily married with a child, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to move in on that." Uh, and uh, not only that, he was saying that he wanted to sell the mines because he didn't care about the town, and then he didn't just to spite him. Uh, so like, this is truly how much this man yeah. doesn't give a shit about anyone that isn't him. Huge dirtbag. Even who, if he wasn't a murderer, he fucking sucks. And I'll, I'll say it. I'm gonna say it. He is largely coasting by on the fact that he's he's one of those those handsome supernatural boys. Because it's Jensen Ackles. Yeah. Because he, he's a he buys a lot of mercy. Yeah. He gets if a lot. If anybody else played him, I'd hate him. He gets so much goodwill in this role, but also like in his character, the way he's like treated by everyone in the town, based on being a real handsome guy. He's just a real pretty guy. And it's like if this was if this was any if I showed up and was doing this, like I feel like I would have been shot. A Immediately, <laughs> this dude is clearly bad news. So, the uh, the way this movie initially starts is you get that like Harry Warden woke up uh, moment, which like hell yeah, Tom Atkins yeah. opening with Happy fucking Valentine's That's Day. That's right. The gore in this is sees a heart, a, a human heart in a heart shaped candy box, and, and then Tom blood Atkins written growls, on a window. Happy fucking Valentine's Day. <laughs> I and love so, Tom Atkins so much. Every moment that somebody comes up on this, whether it be Tom Atkins or Sheriff Axel, um, every scene that they come across, it is not like a seven intricate, bizarre crime scene, but it's like what a kid that's really into metal and 17 would doodle on his book. Yes. No, every, honestly, every kill in the movie, and I, I genuinely love it for this, is so much uh, the process of looking at an object and looking at a human body and trying to think of like the weirdest or most creative ways that you can destroy this thing with this thing. Like and every then shoving kill... a heart in a candy box. Yeah. No. And, and it's like, they show up and the bodies are all like ripped apart and yeah, the hearts in the candy boxes. Like there are people that are seemingly just hollowed out, but like all of, all of the kills and crime scenes and stuff very much are this like cartoonish video game, like very like high school edgelord level of violence. Uh, that that I love because I remember being like a 15 year old horror fan and just being like, oh man, a cool kill would be like if you like put a knife in the person's mouth and then they had to like punch them in the mouth so their mouth closed really fast and it cut their mouth in half and it's just like stupid nonsense teenage bullshit. But then this movie does that with a slick ass budget in 3D with really good effects. Yeah. So it'll be like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna pickaxe. Through your your kind of what is this under your chin this uh your uh, fleshy bit like where your little like uh, jowls are yeah. you know like you're gonna pick oh the Tom up. Atkins kill yeah. where he goes up down 
in through the mouth. Yeah, it's like in through, like under the chin, and Into then the it mouth hooks and then out. around the mandible. <clears throat> yeah, and then yanks the jaw off. And it's very much the pro- process of like looking at a pickaxe and being like, "What parts of a body could you hook into?" And and then 3D, and it flicks off. Yeah, it fucking rules. I I, I love that shit. Um, I don't know. It's very playful, but it's also like a. It could ease like a My Bloody Valentine could eventually like lead into someone's like possession, like it, it it could be like somebody's entry to a genre that they otherwise wouldn't have like figured out because I feel like there were a lot of people in that time period watching these slashers right. that like went to a video store and they're like give me some of that other shit and then eventually yeah. found out they loved horror or this is the only thing that likes and that also rips because <laughs> it. I don't know. There's something about it that's like so juvenile that even people that are like afraid of gore, people I know that like yes. don't want to watch Green Room with me because it's too much, will still be down for My Bloody Valentine because it's so comically over the top yeah. that uh, it it almost becomes accessible to somebody that otherwise is like I don't want to watch a gory movie. No, I agree. And honestly, like it has the like. In, in many places, the, like, writing, the narrative, you know, like, the, the dialogue or, like, you know, delivery of said dialogue, uh, it it gives CW, you know, it, it feels like, like, on that kind of, like, Riverdale level of, like, yeah, there's, like, some melodrama and it's, like, hammy and campy. <laughs> Drugs, but... you ever try football? <laughs> Riverdale shreds. <laughs> um, but, like, <laughs> it's very... It's very cheesy and it's very, like, campy in a fun, like, lighthearted, laughy way. And then the violence goes so fucking hard and i i love it for that because it yeah it genuinely doesn't feel like uh like you're watching like a hostel or a saw or whatever where it's like trying to to you know put you off or like trying to be like aggressive in its violence the violence is so fucking like looney tunes with blood it's so ridiculous that it yeah it feels accessible you're right it feels like something that you could watch and not even really clock it as being like a hard r-rated horror movie it's like the difference between a weird monster at universal studios horror nights that has like all that crazy production value scaring me versus like somebody's backyard haunted house where it's like i put ground beef in my wife's stockings so it looked like i mutilated a lady like to where i'm like we know what game this is and we know what we're playing, and so there's like such a playfulness with it's over the top that like, I don't know. It's just it's it makes it so universal when it comes to like, all right, but I could do this. Yeah. Also, like something <laughs> that I I think uh, is, I'm I'm gonna say it. Hot take. Something that I think is bullshit is that there are a lot of '70s and '80s horror movies that. Uh, horror fans and like a lot of folks that I know and love uh, absolutely adore that are movies with terrible writing, nonsensical plots, bad pacing and editing, really stilted performances, but cool effects and good kills, like fun creative kills and like a fun villain. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the same level uh, of pretension uh, afforded to Jalo could also be afforded to this era of slashers, but maybe the only thing that makes it different is uh, because some some folks consider one significantly cheaper than the other, even though they're literally made the same way. They're the same thing. The also, same, it's the same picture. Also, you know, it exists exactly at the intersection of these types of horror movies and Giallo. Hmm. Malignant. 
Oh, every, yeah, it does. Every day I realize more and more that Malignant is the perfect film. <laughs> it's I, okay. so fucking Can good. Can I tell you, you know how I tell you that every morning that I drive to work, um, in order to keep myself uh, alive in like the capitalist machine, I have to fantasize about something insane, like a creative thing that I know I would never have like the time, energy, and money to do, but wouldn't it be cool? Yeah. You know what I mean? So the one that's been like my fixation uh, for the last week, honestly, um, so I used to love the idea and I, I did similar stuff for uh, my sketch team, Night Church, but doing like burlesque dances that have like character reveals. So there was one that I used to do of like Baroness going to Snake for like a G.I. Joe themed one. Oh, fun. But then I realized it is so fun and easy to do that with Malignant. Oh, uh, where you do the Gabriel like back of the head reveal? Yes, but then like it's like a malignant uh burlesque act where it's like yeah. Lady Gabriel, Lady Gabriel. Ooh, and you would have to do like a like a crab walk. Kind I'd of, have to yeah, like yeah. crab walk it and like figure so, so then I was like figuring out the choreo and I'm like, should I make this happen? Uh <laughs> I think you absolutely should. I've been but looking also, at costumes like, online and I might do this for Halloween. Oh, that's very fun. Like, cause yeah. Some folks and I have been talking about maybe doing a reunion show for Halloween, so. <laughs> you heard it here first. Sclusy. Sclusy. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, as I am getting more exposure to like a lot of the horror movies that I uh, either like saw once and at the time, you know, being myself a young edgelord thought I was too cool for. Uh, or just skipped entirely because, uh, yeah, at the time that these were coming out, I was very into like, like classic horror or like you know seventies eighties horror. I get it. You were the and coolest teenager. I was I've a ever very met. I cool. Made out with you so much. I was no. I was the fucking goofiest, weirdest teenager. I had I did not develop social skills until maybe like four years ago, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> just in time for me. Just baby. in time. If we had met uh, uh, two weeks earlier, I you would we wouldn't have even talked. Um, but no, I as as I'm like revisiting a lot of these for this podcast. I am realizing that like without the the veneer of pretension that I had back then, I'm like, no, these absolutely are in many instances exactly as good as a lot of classic horror. And I'm not saying that My Bloody Valentine 3D is like one of the best horror movies of all time. I'm not saying like, oh, it's every bit as good as the original Friday the 13th. I'm I, saying I, it's I as good as Torso. Yeah. I might like Torso a little better. Okay, I'm going to say the scene in Torso where she's uh, locked in the room and, like, he's dismembering a body. I um, I might be, like, muddying details because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think he's dismembering a body with, like, a hacksaw outside of the room and she's, like, locked in there screaming but has to kind of, like, listen to it uh, is a scene of, like, legitimate tension in, like, a really fun, creative way that is, like, actively, like, trying to make you uncomfortable. Uh, I did love That I really it. enjoy. Uh, so I think uh, Torso is better. Torso is better. Uh, but I would I would say it's as good as like zombie, you know. I would yeah, say yeah. I as think good zombie's as, a more fair one. Yeah. I like Torso more than I like yeah, zombie. Same. I'd say it's as good as like a lot of like Fulci stuff, you know, where it's like yeah, that person's eye got got gouged out of their head. I'd say it's as good as like late late Jason and Michael movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree definitely. Yeah. Uh, and we tend to, I mean, I know, are we currently having an earthquake? No, my leg twitches sometimes. And oh, it, like we do this once a week. Yeah. Where I say, just, is there an earthquake and you say, no, it's my leg. No, my leg is twitching and it's like vibrating the surrounding area. 
uh, because I'm really fucking strong. Anyways, a lot of the murders in this town are clearly setting up like to frame Axel because the first person murdered is his ex uh, in that fantastic sequence with the uh, tape in the parking lot um where the oh, guy's taping right. her and then she goes yeah. to shoot him but then he gets the pickaxe yeah, to the top of the, his head the, the guy who absolutely <laughs> is bald so that he can get a pickaxe in the top of the head which is so good i, I love that it's decision such a great moment and like with her being killed and then megan who's having an affair with axel being killed which by the way um it's easy to assume Axel is the killer because he has a fuck shack in the woods that is a yeah. rundown, terrifying piece of shit. Um, and, like, obviously we know that he is not, but that's an easy assumption because who keeps a rundown woods fuck shack? I mean, if I had the resources to own a spooky fuck shack, I would. But, like, I also. Fuck shack! Fuck Shack, baby. Yeah. Fuck, fuck Shack, baby. Fuck Shack. Fuck Shack. Fuck money. But I mean, like, if I could have Back a little, month, baby. <laughs> a little uh, weird haunted building that was specifically zoned for sex and nothing else, I for sure would. But at the same time, if anyone knew that about me, they'd be like, "That dude's a freak. He probably dresses up like an old timey miner and murders people." And they wouldn't be wrong for thinking that. Uh, so I, I agree with you in the abstract. <laughs> Something else that I love about this movie, Vanessa's just staring at me with uh, with an inscrutable, it's sort of a smile, but she's not smiling with her eyes. Um, she's giving me the look of a person who themselves keeps a rundown fuck shack in the woods. Uh, I was just giving you space to speak. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I, I, I cut you off. You were talking about Axel. Uh, we've lost the thread. It's because I sang Fuck Shack. It's because you, it? you sang like a whole verse of Fuck Shack, uh, which is pretty good. I, good good B-52s. Uh, no, something that I do love about My Bloody Valentine 3D, uh, I, I kind of touched on it with that like intro, the fact that like 15 minutes in, you've had three movies worth of exposition. Uh, but the the pacing of it is such that like I I almost want to like go back and just like in fast forward track like the space between the miner showing up and killing somebody yeah because I feel like it like I almost feel like they had a formula for it I almost feel like it was like every ten pages of the script the miner has to make an appearance because he shows up it like it feels like clockwork and he shows up so frequently in a way that I fucking love because it. He looks cool. Show him to me. Show yeah. him to me a bunch. He looks cool. He's menacing as shit. Like, it's a slasher. I want to watch people, you know, get, like, knocked off in ridiculous creative ways. Uh, but I also love it because, like, I feel like we're so used to, you know, the pacing of a lot of classic slashers that, like, withhold the villain for long periods of time. So you have these, like, quiet moments so that when he appears, there's this, like, really, like, woo, you know, sense of uh, that <laughs> more than anything, I think I, I equate it to... Uh, Jason appearing not in any Friday the 13th movie, but the NES Friday the 13th game where like when he shows up, it's a big fucking deal. But with the minor, he's just like always around the corner. Like no matter, like you'll have five minutes of dialogue being like, damn, this is a grisly murder chief. He really ripped out all of her guts and bones. 
and then they turn around to like get in their cop car and leave and the miner's like surprise i was still here it like that's the lady how it... picks up the phone and then she's just being stuffed into a dryer like yeah, 20 seconds just, later like, it always he's always right there to just explosively start murdering people and i fucking love it it's like honestly talking about it now is kind of funny because like he has that pickaxe and he can literally just pickaxe everyone but like some of the choices to be like all right that guy gets his jaw ripped out this lady's getting tumble dried on gentle to death uh that's right that was a real one there's so many kills in this movie that when you said she got stuffed into a dryer i literally thought you were just like making a fun no, gag because you saw it a and woman you started gets chanting and going yes yes that's yes. right she uh, gets melted in the dryer it's incredible which i have recreated before you've melted somebody in the dryer no i did i did it in like a thing that i was shooting oh i was like babe don't i, I got say it from like a air. different angle but like i i wanted to get my own dryer kill into nice. something and i did good job um but uh, and then we get to this like classic moment where it's like it looks like it could be both. But Sarah's like, I, I, I bet. Oh, that's right. It's, it's which one? Which one do I shoot? They're like in the yeah. mines, and it's either Axel or what is his name? Hanselman. Tom. Tom Hanselman. Yeah, and she knows that one of them is for sure the killer, and they keep being like, "It's that guy." And uh, and Tom's like, you know, it's him or it's me, blah, 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 blah. And Axel does maybe the only good thing he's done this whole movie. Oh, for sure. It's the one, it's the only thing that makes him not a horrible person. It's also like maybe my favorite, uh, like, non-kill moment in the movie because it's like. It also made me laugh because of how much it just like got one up on Tom. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun it's a fun piece of writing a good character moment and just like a good bit of like genuine humanity that she can't decide who to shoot. And he's like. <sighs> fuck it kills both <laughs> i just i really love that it's like a sort of exasperated like the only way that you are not going to be killed at this point is if you just shoot both of us just do it i know you're not gonna kill him fuck it kill both of us the best part is when he says this tom literally like drops his hands to his side and looks at him like bitch like <laughs> it's so good like he like found the one thing and like pulled yeah pulled that cable like Slam, slam that button he's like kill us both and tom is very much like whoa let's not get crazy right now <laughs> yeah uh and he's like no seriously if you kill us both like someone you care about will be dead but the killer definitely will be too yeah great actual plan and uh this does not like last long before tom just hallucinates that the miner's here and it's a scene that takes like way too long oh it goes on him for being, like, so Sarah, long there shoot him Sarah, there he's in there <laughs> the miner's in there he's coming with us well well sarah and uh officer uh jerk shit dick shit dick uh officer (laughs) officer dipshit uh are both just going this no there's no there's no no minor minor, tom there's no minor time nobody nobody's here and it literally is like it felt like it was over a minute of like real time. I got time. winded doing an impression of it. Uh, and and that was maybe a third of how long the scene actually is where he's like, Sarah, 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 shoot him, shoot him, Sarah, it's minor. It, it just goes. And the, and the minor really slowly walks all the way up to Tom and then walks through him and it's revealed that he's in Tom's head. <laughs> yeah, and then Axe is like, looks like the miner's in the room right now. Like, some, some oh, shit like that. Oh, wait, that's right. Tom, like, he almost implies that Tom is actually, like, possessed by the ghost of the miner. Yeah, which... for a second I was like, 
did you deliver that line weird? Is that the intent, or are you dumb? I'm I'm actually kind of unclear because it feels very much like they you you get the information that uh, during this decade that Tom has been gone, he spent a lot of it in a uh, mental institution. He was like in an inpatient because there, uh, you know, he, he presumably was hallucinating this minor. Uh, but clearly, he there there's something going on in his head where he's hallucinating this killer, and then he himself is uh, murdering people and being like, "Yeah, it was this guy." Um, but yeah, Officer Dipshit is like, "Are you in there, Harry Warden?" And he's like, "Yeah, I am." And he's like, "I fucking knew it." And then they they have a a cool ass fight, uh, which actually props to my bloody Valentine 3D for having some like legit decent fight scenes for yeah. like for being a horror movie. There's just like people of comparable physicality having protracted fight scenes, which rules. Uh, but they they like fight in a cave for a while. He gets like uh he gets exploded. But then he does the the slasher movie thing where it's like, oh, but he survived. There's no reason that Tom, just a uh, rich kid, son of a, a guy who owns a mine, who, uh, you know, has some kind of like psychosis. There's no reason that he should have survived being exploded. It does kind of imply a supernatural element. Because so he like, comes back at the end. Yeah, he comes back at the end. He's still alive, setting up the uh, the inevitable sequel that we're still waiting for. Uh, but I, I'm wondering if they did mean to imply that I he's mean, possessed by a ghost. I mean, he also shouldn't be strong enough to shove a shovel through a lady's head. Oh, my God, which is another fantastic kill. Uh, I I really love that the kill specifically where he shovels into somebody's mouth, pinning them into the wall, and then uses the handle of the pickaxe like a hammer to hammer the shovel through them to decapitate just the top part of their head. Uh, And the reason I love it is if you look at a pickaxe and you look at a shovel, one is pointy like a nail and the other is flat and like good for whacking. And if you were like, I'm going to do a kill where he he uses a shovel and a pickaxe and he like kind of like hammers into them. That's, that's not the intuitive way to do it. They they did that one backwards. Yeah, and I but love... then you realize they needed the shovel because they needed it to squidge down the. They needed the top of the head to squidge down the shovel for a second. Yep. Also, the only time he uses a shovel in the movie, yep. just for that kill, it's beautiful. Fantastic. Uh, other other little side note. Well, I'm just uh throwing out rapid fire things that rule about my bloody Valentine 3D. Uh, legitimately, uh, has a pretty decent grocery store action scene. Uh, yeah, actually. Which is, which is something I'm always looking for more of. Grocery store is a great setting for a fight scene. There's somebody the like mist. props. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the mist is mist is very good. But I mean, like, I I wish there were like more uh like hand to hand fist fights in grocery stores. Uh, because there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in a grocery store. Zombie. Just... Zombie land. Zombie land. Does it have a grocery store scene? Yeah, when they go to the grocery store to loot it, and then uh, there's like the different zombies in the aisles, so they each have uh, their own like fun. kill moment. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It took it me a second. I think a lot about grocery store fight scenes for some reason. Uh, what what what'd you make that face for? Is it because oh. we've had a very long episode? Yeah, I just looked at the time. I had no idea we'd been running this long. Good okay, for us. Okay, well we haven't been back in a month, so I know we got a lot to say. Um, Elijah, yeah. What movie did you pick to go with My Bloody Valentine? Three D. Three D. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you. I started. Uh, my my step one was that I Googled pickaxe fight uh in the hopes that there was like a really iconic pickaxe martial arts fight scene that i was like not recalling off the top of my head unfortunately you sneak when when you google pickaxe fight 
almost every result is from this movie, yeah. which is kind of sweet. It's cool that this movie has the market cornered on pickaxe fights. Uh, you know, makes me respect it more. Uh, but again, pickaxe, not the most practical combat weapon. Uh, but yeah, I was looking for a pickaxe fight. Don't know if there are any good ones. Uh, any like uh, more more knowledgeable listeners, uh, please let me know on Twitter if there are good pickaxe fights uh, that, I, that I'm sleeping on. Uh, but after that, I went through uh, like a, a laundry list of, of themes uh, before finally, uh, not finally, because frankly, this was one of the first ones that popped into my head because it is in many ways a somewhat obvious pairing. But I was kind of like not hoping to do it because in my head, I didn't like this movie. I was like, not not a good one. Not a fan. Uh, but I finally, I was like stuck. I was at a crossroads. Uh, oh, and I will say, I had actually uh, originally wanted to do, uh, I, I believe it's called the Cave of the, Cave of the Silken Web. Uh, there's a few iterations of it, but there's like a late 60s Shaw Brothers one that's a, it's like a Monkey King story, but it takes place largely in and around a cave. And I was like, yeah, caves, mines, it's good. There's also a lot of like uh, impersonations and trickery and stuff. So it kind of played into the like dual identity killer thing. Uh, but that wasn't streaming anywhere. So, uh initially this pick was somewhat begrudging i felt like i was settling on it and i'm really glad in retrospect that i picked it we're gonna we're gonna talk about why but for my uh martial arts pairing for my bloody valentine 3d i've chosen uh 200 bucks buddy god damn it i was hoping you wouldn't catch it i was trying to make it real subtle uh, I've chosen True Legend, uh, directed by Yuan Woping, uh, phenomenal choreographer. Uh, boy, does it come through. Boy, does it come through. So, True Legend is a movie that, uh, prior to this, I believe I had seen three times. All Any th of them in 3D? No, none of them in 3D. Because it is a 3D movie. It is a 3D movie. True Legend 3D. Uh all, all three times, I believe, were within a week of each other when it first released, and it was because I was so, so, so hyped for this movie. It was the first time Yeon Woping had directed something in like more than a decade, I think. So it, was, it had been since like the mid 90s at that point. Um, so like his return to the director's chair, the premise, I was like, fuck yeah. Uh, I was so sold on it every like you know early look and piece How of media did the drunken master come to be yeah, the drunken yeah. master and so i i was very very psyched and then i saw it and i was so underwhelmed and so frustrated and i was like you know what maybe i just wasn't in the right headspace maybe there's too much hype so i like immediately kept rewatching it and was like nope i just don't like it and i got frustrated and then never revisited the movie uh now that i have I realized like my expectations were in the wrong place. My hype levels were too high, and uh, I I think yeah I was I was being I was being harsh on it for a, a number of reasons. Now that I've watched it again, pretty fucking sweet. I only pretty have two real issues with this movie, and I love everything else. And the issues aren't even enough to dissuade me. It's just when I like something and I think it has so much potential to like. It, it's kind of like Pacific Rim, you know, where I'm like I I, I adore this thing, right. but I like criticize it because I'm like I think it could have gone beyond yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's the pacing is odd. Um, the pacing is bad. Because it, it feels like you get several climaxes. 
Yes. Um, and several movies in one. And I feel like there's a way. And this has like a similar intro to the um, My Bloody Valentine where it like explains yeah, a lot of like history. It has in the like a lot of animated uh, exposition. But this kind of adds to this feeling of like, and I'm getting a story and another story and another story um, that all feels so different that it's kind of. Uh, it, it makes it difficult to like manage my feelings right. throughout. It's like a series of vignettes. Yeah, and like here's the thing, it's they're consistently great through all of them. Every time we get into a new story, there's a new great fight scene, a new great set piece. You know, characters that I really like. Um, it's just kind of exhausting to spend like a long time with several different characters as we move through this guy's like phases of life because I don't really know where I am at any point. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's one thing. But at the same time, I still enjoyed it. The second thing is I hate some of the effects that they added yes. for the very 2000s that, like, some that I love, the, like, you know, the 3D stuff. And even when they, like, do CG, they do CG in situations that would be impossible practically. Right. So, like, like they're, the they're well trying to... Fight. Yeah. The well trying, fight is fun. They're trying to push some envelopes, so they're doing what they can. And they're not using 3D as, like, a lazy thing. They're using it as, like, an upward advancement thing. Yeah. They're but throwing s- knives at the screen, which yes, I love. Yes. Love it. Sometimes there's a great, wonderfully choreographed move that they put like a little, like too much motion blur on weird, it. They put this weird, yeah, it's this like weird digital effect of, yeah, motion blur, but like after images as if to like imply that the character is moving so fast that they're leaving a trail of like superhuman shadows and it makes it uh, indecipherable. It completely like obscures whatever the movement is. So you just have this weird video game character like, uh, glitching out and it's not all the time no it's just it's in a few spots but But a lot of the spots that it happens in i'm like because the thing is i love the cg when it's like the snake venom stuff yeah or uh, some of the gorier parts stuff yeah yeah that stuff i'm enjoying the hell out of it um it's in moments where i'm like that's just a well choreographed movement right it's just a guy doing a thing that he can physically do it's a guy like spinning on one hand or whatever and you're like that's tight I would always rather see that. Same. Uh, And I think at the time I was so like through the roof hyped for this and was so disappointed by the the use of CG. Uh, I at the time felt like the choreo was not very strong. Honestly, I was like, none of the fight scenes are, are particularly memorable. And here's the thing. None of the fights in this are like anywhere near the level of like. Fist of Legend or, you know, like uh, some of the better, you know, like Yuan Woping choreo that we've seen where we're like, yo, this fight is an all timer. This is like you when know, he's with Jackie. Yeah. Like when he's with Jackie, when he's with Samo, when he's with Jet Li or just like, you know, some of some of these classic, uh, you know, like Hong Kong action films where you get like a 15 minute like final like one on one fight and there's no frills to it. It's just two like incredible screen fighters scrapping. Uh, you know, like your your wheels on meals types. Uh, and I think I was like so expecting some of that that, you know, I, I was like disappointed that it was so much like high fantasy and CG and such. Uh, but also I realize now rewatching it, there are some fantastic moments of choreo. There are some like incredible shots where like you get a ton of like very cool movement in one in one take, you know, without a cut where you get these, you know, long tracking shots of, like, uh, especially the stuff with the they're these two assassins who, like, work together as a team and they kind of, like, jump off of each other in these cool acrobatic ways or they'll, like, kind of, you know, one will, like, run and jump off the other and then kick off a wall to, like, you know, spin around and stuff. Or the God of Wushu stuff, like... The- 
the God of Wushu stuff has some good stuff. There's a lot of CG in there that I'm like, Boo, but they, there are some there are some very fun exchanges. I mean, Gordon moving himself specifically, like when it's just Gordon being Gordon fucking around with his hands and shit. That is very fun. Um, and uh, for me, the fight choreo that really like for a first time watch stood out to me is I've said this before, but I used to have a more limiting view. Um, I think. Jackie Chan is the only person on screen that's ever really done drunken boxing in a way that's like truly what we think of as like drunken boxing. Right. Um, like it, it is like the gold standard. It's the gold standard. When you think old drunk boxing, you think Jackie cause there's so much in the face, but like the way he moves his body yeah, uh, is pr- it's practically superhuman. Um, and so previously I've been like the only time drunken boxing really looks good is an animation. Right, looks right. great in animation because you you can you get that fluidity and yeah. That, yeah. This is pretty close. It's pretty close, man. Pretty There's good. some great like drunken boxing sequences, uh, and, and I will say like that's kind of the other thing is because uh, the film itself, uh, the, g- given what the the premise is, and I'll get into that in a sec. Uh, I expected it to be way more drunken boxing than it was so at the time I was like man this movie is like three hours long and and there's like 30 minutes yeah uh I will say on a rewatch though there are some great fights some fantastic exchanges and like moments of choreo that legitimately like hold up and look very good that I think were like at the time buried for me under both expectation but also the the kind of like mid 2000s 3d uh you know like cg but also just like shooting in hd kind of like everything looks very slick and clean and polished uh i i think something about the aesthetic uh i i realized like caused a disconnect for me when it's like what would be you know like you know being like ostensibly like classic it's Hong like Kong choreo. Kingdom. yeah where there's like great choreo in that but it just like looks wrong somehow to me it's like too slick and it doesn't somehow it's like missing the grit that gave these movements weight in my mind where like there's weight and there's friction and it feels like there are bodies in a room fighting each other that's why that final like fight sequence is probably the best one and it's so good is because he's against brawlers so it feels more grounded than something like supernatural and slick can feel right right because like it's such a sweaty gritty like but also like move moves like acrobatic moves like these like drunken boxing moments yeah. um that make it feel a little bit more dirty in a way that yeah. you like so like the the f- even though there's fucking tigers right <laughs> walking around the stage this is bizarre like this PT Barnum played as by he David just kills Carrion. a bunch of people yeah. in front of his son um it it feels so much more real than certain moments where you're like all right but no one i know gets bit by snakes until they have venom powers right no, you I should see, probably I, give the premise of this movie yeah, before okay. we go any further yeah yeah so true legend uh it it i'm so sorry i can't i can't get into it without sighing heavily because it uh is is set up to be the the true legend of a uh martial arts folk hero uh beggar sue or beggar so i've seen it written both ways uh but Beggar So uh, is a, you know, was was a real person who existed, uh, was one of the the 10 Tigers of Canton, uh, who was, they were considered like the 10 best martial artists, uh, you know, in the region at the time, uh, each of whom had these like storied careers as uh, martial arts instructors, but also, you know, as 
you know, at varying points, uh, like, you know, heroes of the people and they, they would, uh, you know, use their martial arts in various ways to, uh, accumulate these, these legends. Uh, Beggar So, uh, is, um, uh, allegedly, uh, Wong Fei Hung, uh, learned drunken boxing from him. He, like, uh, is, you know, kind of the originator of the, like, drunken fist style, uh, which is, uh, still practiced today. Uh, I definitely, uh, follow some practitioners on TikTok and I'll, you know, be scrolling the feed and be like, hell yeah, drunken boxing. Uh, so, you know, he, he invented this form and these steps, uh, contributed a lot to, uh, martial arts history. And then, uh, there are all sorts of stories and legends about him, uh, some of which may be true, some of which may not. Uh, but the thing that, uh, most of us will most, uh, recognize beggar. So as, uh, is the character that is portrayed, uh, Essentially, anytime anyone has learned drunken boxing in a martial arts movie, they're learning from the folkloric character Beggar So. Uh, and like, we've seen him several times in movies we covered here. Yeah, literally, name a movie in which someone does well, name a movie in which someone learns drunken boxing as part of the plot. Like, if they know it already, hard to say, but if there is a scene in which they have to learn this style, uh, including Drunken Master, uh, World of Drunken Master. Uh, Heroes of the East, uh, any of these films where there's the old, like, kind of wandering drunk who's always, you know, looks like a like a beggar and looks like, you know, this this kind of like loner who's just wandering through. Uh, that that is beggar. So, uh, so the premise that was like, hey, we're gonna tell an epic, high budget uh, origin story of this character that you've seen in you know a hundred kung fu movies fucking rules and the way it's set up it shows like a book opening and it's like true legends of martial arts and then this one is labeled like beggar so as though like this was intended to be a franchise oh like you get a universe of this yeah. and then there'd be like a wong fei hung yeah feng Sayuk. like it seemed like they were setting up you know like there there's going to be an epic you know, uh, origin story for every martial arts folk hero, all of the 10 tigers, whatever. And that, that fucking rules. I love that premise so much. I'm frustrated that we don't live in a world where that came to fruition. Uh, but I think the reason that it didn't is because this movie, uh, well, ultimately a rad fucking film is about 40 minutes longer than it necessarily should have been. The movie ends and at the point that it ends and he beats the bad guy who is like an incredible bad guy, honestly, an all time martial arts movie villain. They really blew their load on killing him early. Yeah, he is a fantastic villain. He is Beggar So's adopted brother who uh, was evil uh, and and kills, you know, his adoptive father uh, because the Basically, his father was a bad guy. Uh, the the guy who killed his dad then took him in and was like, "Hey, like, sorry, your dad died, but like, I, you know, you don't deserve uh, to have a shitty life." Uh, raised him with Beggar So as his brother, uh, or the, no, he uh, he has a, a sister that uh, Beggar So marries, so he's a Beggar So's the yeah. brother in law, I guess. Um, but yeah, he, uh, has a, a heart of evil, takes after his dad, uh, grows up to be an, an evil military leader and he masters the five venoms fist. Uh, this film, by the way, is full of references to other like classic Kung Fu movies. And cameos. And cameos. You get, yeah. uh, you get a fun Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. You get, a, you get a little bit of Mich Michelle Yeoh. You get a Gordon Liu, uh, David Carradine. It's yeah, it's full. It's such a like love letter to classic martial arts films. 
Um, and the the five venoms fist is so sick. The way he like masters this is that he has the the training for it that you do is you have to plunge your hands into these little like cairns full of venomous creatures so it's like spiders scorpions uh snakes all kinds of shit that just bite and sting you relentlessly and you have to just accept this venom into your into your veins and be strong enough to wield it and like incorporate it into your blood and then uh you can you turn it on and off and you make your hands poisonous and it fucking shreds it's a very cool power for a villain to have makes them super strong additionally he has black gold armor stitched into his body. So he is like iron skin plus poison palms. He's a world beater. He's such a cool villain. And they kill him at what feels like probably like the 90 minute mark, at which point you have had a full three act structure film and ostensibly a solid origin story for Beggar Where so. his son gets taken, and for some reason his wife goes with him instead of his son, and then they yeah, just... Yeah, bad move. Since just they, they're them. not great Everyone, to the kid. They're not, they're not good they're not great parents. But he's been fighting the god of Wushu in, in the woods by himself to get stronger, to beat this world yeah. beater. And then he beats him, and you're like, fuck yeah, that movie ruled. After you Bring... find out that the god of Wushu is actually Delirium Tremens. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it shreds. Wait, no, that's after quitting. He was just uh, hammered. Yeah, he was just drunk. Uh, but then there's an additional like 40 minutes that you kind of don't need. And I, I the feel like... The wife dies. I've been through enough. Right. And I, I feel like, honestly, like the, the movie could have used some editing. And that additional 40 minutes, it's a weaker ending than like beating the supervillain. It's, it's much more of like a huh, kind of note. So that by the end, you walk away from it being like, yeah, this movie's not great. I can fix this movie. Yeah, give me give me your fix. So, I edit out the first half of yeah. the uh, fight where he's like doing the drunken boxing after his wife is dead and his son's like, "Dad, stop!" But he's like killing all those guys. But then he ends up starting like a school. So I uh, do that first half, and then I move it to beginning of the movie, and then it's like a. If, if you're wondering how I got here kind of because right. they already do it with all the yeah, captions yeah. and stuff anyway and then I do the entire rest of the movie and he defeats the bad guy but his wife dies and we go to that moment and we cut to him on the ground at the final fight ready to give up but then he thinks of his wife no him on the ground winning right after yeah, he won yeah. the fight so like in the beginning he wins the fight with drunken boxing yeah, and then yeah. we do that whole to- how to um and then we cut to his wife dying but then him opening his eyes as beggar so as we remember him thinking about her and then standing up again so then you stack the two climaxes together yeah. so that they feel better okay i'm i'm gonna commission you to do this because you're a good editor uh and <laughs> i but before you are you serious yeah no before you pitch this i was legitimately about to say there is a fucking great martial arts movie in here it just like the way it is currently paced and structured by the time you get to the end you're a little bit like I'm tired. Huh. I've already yeah. had an amazing climax. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like there's a great martial arts movie in here. I think what my pitch was going to be, uh, like definitely, <laughs> I, I was gonna say just like lose that entire back half, uh, but also the I lose a lot of the back half, yeah. but I need that fight. Yeah, 
but the the difference between the uh like between like theatrical doctor sleep and director's cut where you get the like very clearly demarcated like chapter breaks that also feel like the first yes. shining movie yeah and this one it kind of does that but the chapters quote unquote are like so long that you basically get a 90 minute movie and then it's like chapter two and it's like no i need like five of those throughout so that they feel like they're meant to be little vignettes so that it feels like they're meant to be like contained it. stories. Is there going to be a true legend I, Vanessa cut? I think that if you do a Vanessa cut, it has potential to be like a, a very, very good martial arts movie as opposed to like a movie that rips, but has some issues. Uh, I'm, I'm legitimately going to commission you to do this because I want to watch it. Uh, but right, yeah, basically the second I'm jobless again. Okay, we're getting the true legend. Because that's the exact kind of thing I make when I'm depressed. Yep. (laughs) You know, it's like the Ben Wyatt stop motion thing. Yeah. Okay, you remember how much weird shit I made when I was jobless, where I was like, hey, look, I made a a fucking John Carpenter fan cam. Yeah, that was Uh, tight. Um, You should do more fan cams. But no, at some point, I want the the Vanessa cut to exist. Uh, But no, the, the... the we we didn't like i i like skipped around a lot because i wanted to like kind of get the like the issues out of the way um we went through what the movie was too we we went through it uh some things that i i want to talk about that i that i do like uh is that the the arc for him having his kind of like uh you know he he like loses the son he gets thrown in a river uh washes up the wife saves him nurses him back to health uh his his arm is is destroyed by poison and having been broken so it takes a, like there's a long training montage it takes like years before he's you know ready to that face that child's just grown up yeah uh but but during this time uh something that i love about it is that it doesn't necessarily treat it like damn, I've been humbled and I have to train harder than ever. Like, they're struggling. Their relationship the Their relationship is dysfunctional. There's a period where he just drinks every day. He, like, goes through a severe depression. He meets the, the god of Wushu, and it's ambiguous whether or not this is a real mystical deistic figure or all in his head because the wife goes out to watch him train because he says every day he's training with the god of Wushu. And we only see it for up to that point from his perspective where it's like this absurd like CG landscape where he's fighting a god uh, and every day he goes and fights a god and he's real plucky, but he loses every time. And he's like, oh, but I got way better at fighting. Oh, I'm going to get him tomorrow, uh, which is like a fun little little rhythm. Uh, and as a person who is like trained before with fighters who are much, much better than you, uh, it it is you learn a lot really quickly. Like you, you just kind of have to, if you spend, you know, two hours every day sparring with someone who's much better than you, you improve really quickly. So it's like, yeah, that's tight. Uh, But then she goes to like watch his training and he's just chugging barrels of wine in a field and throwing himself off rocks. And like, that's how he accumulates these injuries. And I, I kind of love it because like Michelle, Yeoh, the doctor looks at him and then tells the wife, like, his eyes are super bloodshot. His pulse is erratic. I, I think he's losing his mind. Like he's, I, I think it's like some kind of psychosis. Maybe he's drinking too much, but like he needs to stop whatever he's doing. And I, I like how weird and dark it gets because that's not what you usually get from that, that arc of like the hero training for his big like redemption fight. I like that it's like a weird kind of shitty bummer and he does get much stronger, but it's also like, kind of at what cost because at that point Mm -hmm. the wife has already like abandoned him to go try to get the son back on her own and i 
I don't know. I, I like that, like the ways in which Begoso's story are tragic because he, you know, throughout the course of this, this legend, he trains with the God of Wushu and then later meets a separate, also magical entity who teaches him drunken boxing. Uh, so he, he like encounters all of these like gods and like whimsical things mm. and he beats all these world beaters and he's super strong, but also like he's still broke and on the street and a bad parent and his wife is dead and a lot of it is sort of maybe his fault and it's like yeah there were bad dudes that like did uh unforgivable stuff to him and put him in these situations but also like he was not super heroic like he's he's kind of an Mm anti-hero in that way and i i i don't know there's just the there's a lot that i love in there and it you almost have to like you you have to forgive some things to to get to the shit that rules yeah uh but having watched it now uh without expectations or maybe with a negative expectation i was on board by the end of it i was like fuck yes that's the origin of this character and now when i watch heroes of the east when i watch like drunken master i'm gonna be like oh shit that dude had a rough life like he's he's plucky now because he's drunk all the time and like has no responsibilities or worldly possessions presumably his son grew up and like got a job or something yeah his son's just not around now but like you know, I'm gonna see him and 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 think about how his wife was buried alive by his his adopted uh, like brother-in-law and how he had to like rip this dude apart in front of his son and you know I'm gonna think about him like getting wasted in a field every day and jumping off rocks while his wife cries and gets more and more like detached from him and I I kind of love just taking this uh you know this recurring character and giving him a super bizarre uh epic odyssey of of tragedy <laughs> it's it's very cool and i i do wish that they'd been uh that yuan Woping had been allowed to do this with with more characters yeah. i i genuinely think that with a different editor uh this film would have been much more successful because it, it did lose a lot of money which is unfortunate uh and i think that uh i think someday the world's gonna see the vanessa cut <laughs> and then there's gonna be petitions for like you know we we got to get the rest of the true legend universe we we got to get the origins of all these other characters uh but yeah i i realize now that i i used and I'm to i'm gonna think... put it in a nine six aspect ratio yeah <laughs> per per your original vision uh but yeah, I, I think that uh, for, for a long time, I had considered uh, Yuan Woping to have not, like to have choreographed brilliant stuff for sure, but to have not directed anything great uh, since, you know, the, the 90s. Uh, and I'm now realizing that uh, True Legend was the last, uh, for my money, the last great thing that he directed uh, because that movie's fucking great. These movies rip. Yeah. They rip and they're in 3D. They're both in 3D. They're both, uh, they're both at like mid two thousands. They're about legends. They're both about legends. They both pack a ton of exposition and like backstory and like generations of stories. They both have a guy hallucinating another guy. They both have a guy hallucinating another guy. That was one of the big ones. Uh, Uh, And very let down partners uh, and not good parents. And not good parents. Yeah. And they're both movies that I had seen when they came out and was like, yeah, I think that movie kind of sucked. And then upon revisiting, was pleasantly surprised. Um, which is why I'm calling this the world's worst wife guys double feature. Oh, they are. They're wife guys, but they suck. They suck. They suck You're real right. bad. Officer Dipshit and uh, Beggar So himself. Uh, world's worst wife guys. The world's worst wife guys. Now, Elijah, what what snack pairings would you? Valentine's Day chocolate. Yeah, has box to be a, box of heart shaped chocolates. 
box of heart-shaped chocolates with a little booze in them. Oh, little like chocolate liqueurs. And you have to liqueurs eat all of them so until you, you send an inflammatory up. text to a loved one. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's that's part of the snack pairing. Yeah. Even if like you have a higher tolerance, you eat all of them and you're not like drunk enough. Or even like you're not a person who when you get drunk, that's your impulse. Part of the snack is that you have to send a text to like an ex or somebody or like your current partner that's like a little bit shitty. <laughs> we should wrap up because there's a wailing horny cat in the background. Yeah. I th- thought it was a person being murdered for nope. a second, but it's wailing a horny, horny cat. cat. Yeah. Uh, so not I gotta our go cat. tell it to it's go away. Cat. Yeah. Uh, wow, it's horny. Elijah, if you can for one second not focus on that cat's boner. Yeah. What is your pick for next week's um, You know, all this time I've been talking about uh, great movies that Yuan Wuping has directed. Uh, I think next week I'm going to pick uh, Red Lion, which was one of his uh, earlier, I believe it's like early to mid 90s, uh, but it's like a, a diehard or an, an under siege, but uh, it's it's on a boat, but it's basically like it's it's Yuan Woping directing Under Siege, uh, and it it's cool. You're gonna like it. There's some stuff in particular that I'm hyped for you, Vanessa, to see. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna pick Red Lion. Wow, that cat is. Yeah. Th- there's a dog now that's not happy about it. These cats are obsessed I, with fucking my I virgin daughters, wish, and I'm so sick of it. I wish that we like could get audio of this for because it is a cacophony of it's a wall. It's of I think now two male sounds. cats that are desperate to bone. Yeah, well, a dog yells at them. Oh, they're fighting each other. There's definitely some. Are like, you gonna shout cast this horny cat fight? I feel like the dog is like stop, <sighs> stop, and they're like ripping each other apart in Anyways, a sexual frenzy. You can catch your podcast on Kickscreen Pod on all forms of social media. Oh, uh, Vanessa, where can the people find you? Under NESS Guerrero uh, on Twitter and SNES Guerrero on Instagram. My God, they're getting louder. Uh, and uh, you can find me also on Tuesdays and Wednesdays on uh, Twitch.tv slash G4TV and along with whatever the hell our YouTube is uh, producing both uh, Vibe Check and The Loop. Elijah, say your thing so it can run outside and tell it to shut up. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, in the future we should add a segment where we talk about like other maybe like non-genre media that we've uh, been enjoying like in the week or in the month or whatever. Because you want to talk about Righteous uh, Gemstones? Well, I, I want to talk about a, a few things. Um, and I, I feel like also some people on Twitter have mentioned that before. Uh, but specifically, there is a webtoon. It is a, a Korean uh, manhwa comic. Uh, that is a webtoon that is localized here as V-Hit, short for Viral Hit. Uh, the original uh, Korean title translates to How to Fight. So you can find it under both titles. Uh, so like... You know, webtoon, how to fight, or V hit, uh, and it's one of the better like martial arts comics that I've read uh, since maybe Holy Land. Uh, it fucking slaps, but it's hitting like it's like climactic end game, and I need someone else that I know to read this so that I can talk to someone about how cool it is. Uh, and I want to talk more about it on the next episode. But uh, I don't know, somebody, if you're into comics and manga and such. Read V-Hit, a.k.a. How to Fight, and then talk to me about it on Twitter, please. Uh, also, open to suggestions. I would like to add the other media we're consuming corner. Um, please let us know if you'd prefer that at the beginning or the end of the show. Oh, yeah. Let us know. Uh, and as always. We love you. Bye. 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 Bow, wow. Oh, we got to do the outro, too. Bow, wow. Bow, wow. Bow, wow.